Welcome to Business on the Influence. This is a casual Andrew. Welcome to Business Under the Influence. Welcome. The podcast for three to discuss their experience as millennials in the working world. That literally would not have gone any better. Anyway, what's what's today's topic, David? I'm glad you asked. I'll see if I can pronounce it correctly. However, um, I'm very excited to talk uh, about today's uh, today's podcast with my buddy here, Ben. <laughs> so Ben is uh, has a lot of acronyms after his name, which tells you he knows what he's talking about. Uh, he spent quite a few years in several. I have actually uh, worked with him in several businesses, um, so I can attest to his ability as a human being um minimum and, bar <laughs> functional uh and so he's here to make your business also better um fun fact that ben actually holds the current world record for the smallest violin played golf clap <laughs> hello everyone uh, i'm excited to be here today with my good friend Kristen. uh she has over 40 years experience in big box retail real estate <laughs> marketing and consulting a fun fact is that she lived in a Target unnoticed for six months and was hired when discovered. Seriously, that's a true story. Dude, can, like, I had the best little, like, hideaway. Can you imagine? It was so well decorated, like, unfucking real You have everything you need in a Target. Well, like, who's towels. ever going to? So yeah, seriously. Know. No one yeah. will know. So who's going to know? They, <laughs> yeah. just, they hired you immediately on as, like, end caps. Because they're like, this yes. person understands how to <laughs> yeah. decorate something. Yeah, I'm Just like, put her on I'm like oh my God, have you guys seen the new shipment of fucking bath towels? It's unreal. And they're like, we should probably pay her so we don't get sued. <laughs> Squatter's rights for employment. And I was like, yeah, seriously. <laughs> they're so fucking soft though. Anyway, um, super absorbent and good colors. Oh, yeah. Okay, so um, I guess I have to introduce David then. So the gentleman on my right who happens to share some genetic similarities to myself, although I am the superior, 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 superior sibling, it's a scientific fact. Um, he's done a bunch of leadery things and allegedly he likes doing them even though he's dead inside. He also, fun fact, can partially execute 34 magic tricks. Mm -hmm. Correct. Care to demonstrate? ADHD oh, yes. Right uh, here's a pen. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's actually fully please. executed. Yeah, you made it actually executed, though, but okay. <laughs> that's 35. That was pink. Good, good. Uh, dude, honestly, that would be... <laughs> That would be like the best Vegas show ever is just like fucking bullshit magic tricks where you just get hammered and watch somebody do shit like that. I would, I'm pretty sure I'd pay for that. Yeah. Well, then, uh, like as long as the guy can sell it, like, yeah, it's great. Like, have you ever seen the ones yeah. where the clowns just yeah. throw the thing behind the kid over and over again? They just throw bigger yeah. and bigger things behind the kid. It's not there for the yeah. kid. Who gives a shit about the kid? The kid yeah, believes in magic. Hands. Everyone else is having a blast just watching a clown just destroy a child's psyche. And that's just, I'm here for that. Right? Is that today's episode? Um, <laughs> yeah, How Clowns Destroy Children's Psyches. That's a good a good working title. What are we talking about on this one? I don't, I don't remember. <laughs> it was a Ben topic. Quality versus done metrics? Oh, yes. Quality versus done. All right. Oh, and we've been drinking. Just oh yeah, a little bit. Yeah, what are we? Uh, what are we yeah. going with this evening? Uh, you can tell when we film these episodes because I am drinking a Montucky Cold Snack Unicorn Edition. Oh, mm -hmm. you know what? That's a weird, weird coincidence because I am also drinking a Montucky Cold what? Snack Unicorn Edition. It's like you shop together. Uh, I am still drinking what's left of a Fire Steed Pinot Noir from Oregon, 2020 vintage with a super helpful screw top. Um, in my fancy Riesling, yeah. Riesling, <laughs> Rydell glass. Anyway, um, okay, so quality versus done metrics. 
I feel like you guys are kind of passionate about that. How does that apply in your world? I mean, this is one of those really nerdy topics, or can be, where quality and done are not the same thing. If you think about uh, someone hires you to build a bicycle and you build them a, uh, a Corvette, you have made an incredible thing. That is some incredible engineering. The What we think of as quality is out of control, but that's not a fucking bicycle. Mm-hmm. Like that, You did not complete the task. That is not done. Uh, and so quality versus done is trying to identify the goal of what needs accomplished and the best way to do so. Not overachieving, not having a hero complex, but also not being a pile of shit. Well, like for me, the the big thing for like quality versus done is perfect is the enemy of good, which I feel like that's a businessism. So like drink. Oh, drink. We forgot about that. Oh, we uh, did but, forget. Yeah. We're really bad at this. Yeah. Yeah. So the, I mean, that's, we're counting on our listeners to be the ones that really keep that drink going. with us. Yeah. I think the big thing is, is you run into that of like what gets the job done versus what is really pretty when you do the job. And like I could do a triple backflip Lutz counter corkscrew double jackknife turn spin. That's some hockey terminology. Nope, that's I think diving terminology. Uh, I think. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but like, we don't do sports here. But like I could do that as an Amazon delivery driver to drop the package off. Or I could walk up to the house and drop the package mm-hmm. off. One of those is incredibly impressive, but not it took more time Barely and done. it didn't do anything more than the other mm-hmm. one already did as far as what so, was asked. So I feel like a lot of these are really obvious examples, but I feel like a not obvious example is consulting. Uh, Kristen, how do you define done when you're consulting with a client? Oh, yeah, that's a, a salty little question there, Ben. Like, how do you know if you've done a good job? Is that, Just I didn't kidding. say quality, I said done. No, <laughs> no, no. Fuck no. this dude. Yeah. Them off. yeah, this fucking guy. Um, I honestly, I almost feel like that's easier sometimes. It's harder to determine ROI with consulting, mm-hmm. I think, at least with what I do, because it's not it's not always super measurable in the way that like a business metric would be um, because sometimes I'm helping somebody with something that's not super tangible, like, like hiring. Okay. Um, Hiring a quality employee or hiring an employee um, because that's kind of hard sometimes depending on what kind of business you're in. So it's a little bit harder sometimes to determine that. And it's a little bit more ethereal because that's my favorite fancy word right now, which is kind of nerve wracking sometimes. So then your quality versus done is really almost a done. Like, did we accomplish the thing that we set out to do? And through the course of our consulting project, I have to make sure that we're checking in and being like, do you still feel like we're making progress towards this mysterious goal that we had? Um, Measure done, but it's difficult to measure quality. Yeah. And sometimes depending on the type of project, because this just popped into my head too. um, Sometimes the project changes from what we originally thought it was once they start getting involved in things. So it's like, I want to launch a group program. And then we start working on stuff and it turns out we're not as close as we thought we were, um, which I've also experienced because you're like, oh, this is easy. I'm just going to do an outline and record some video. And it's not that fucking simple. But then it turns into, so we need to like figure out x y and z before we can do these things because those are just things you don't know until you start working on a project so also being super intentional about being like where are we at things have changed from the proposal the agreement the contract since we originally started talking and just making sure that we're still like they still feel like we're making progress towards a goal even if the goal has changed so it gets a little a little touchy sometimes or nerve-wracking to be like Am I actually providing you with the service that you think you wanted at the beginning? Or if not, are we still good? (laughs) I I think that's the kind of the weird thing is a lot of times in like large business agreements, you have a contract that is concrete. Like this is what we will provide you. And therefore, like for that, it's very easy to say quality versus done. Did we meet the letter of the law of what you wanted from us? You said you wanted 14 people that can destroy children's psyches. We provided that to you. You realized after the fact 
you just wanted them to also do it in clown makeup. That wasn't in the contract. Therefore, for us, we provided you 14 people that can destroy children's psyches. It's on you to realize after the fact, maybe you can train them on your time to wear clown makeup. Mm-hmm. That's on you. And so that side versus like, that's a large scale though, where you are like, there's already money on the table. We're done. This is it. This is all that happens. And I feel like that's the line that I, I haven't spent a lot of time in is the small scale. Like what is, right. what is quality versus done? Cause we could have taught people to wear clown makeup. The problem is that's now on our dime and we are not getting any additional revenue for having them wear clown makeup. Yeah. Cause you're, you're talking about like, Um, especially if you're talking about like a contract situation where it's a consultant or some other kind of like 1099 type situation, um, where at some point you should be talking about like a change order of some kind and like a renegotiation of terms or an addition, addition to like the cost of the project or the timeline for the project. But then there's also the, like the minimum viable product, because I feel like that becomes that conversation is more done versus quality when you're using what is that the agile methodology to like, mm-hmm. here's a product, what's the minimum shit that we need to make this work to test it so that we can evolve the product and then continue to make our MVP better as we go. And I feel like that is almost a more, like that's an easier concept for me to understand when it comes to like done versus quality, because if you get stuck in the like analysis paralysis cycle and try to come up with a perfect product at the beginning, it's fucking impossible and you're never going to do it. So you have to be... <laughs> Oh, God damn it. <laughs> Business buzzword. I feel like I had like three in that. Like, I mean, diatribe, said, but, like um, agile and analysis paralysis. I was going to say, what is change order for the audience <laughs> and also drink? <laughs> uh, <laughs> so um, change order would be, and I, I think depending on the industry that you're in, um, this could happen or should happen more commonly in say like a home remodel or something like that, where you're like, we're going to do these things in this order for this dollar amount. And then someone's like, oh, you know what? I do want new cabinets. And you're like, okay, that's gonna cost you X more dollars and take X more time for this additional project. Is that something that you agree to? Yes or no. They sign the change order, you move on. So I would imagine, I mean, depending on what you're doing, like, but um, especially like new builds or things like that where people are changing their mind or they get to the point where like, you know what? We wanna upgrade to the luxury LVP instead of like, the linoleum for our half a million dollar house or million dollar house or whatever. So change orders are a good way to make sure that as the agreement evolves, you don't end up at the end of the agreement. And the person is like, but you said we were gonna, and it was only going to take, and now it took this much time. And like, I don't feel like we got the original result. And you're like, because you fucking asked for like 26 million changes, you jack wagon. Um, (laughs) Anyway whole nother that's what? actually a current topic that's what? happening <laughs> um i feel like you're working out yeah, some trauma so, here right now <laughs> yeah 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 but yeah that's essentially what a change order is i don't know if there's other terms for it necessarily but um when you have a contract and things need to change there should be an addendum so to speak to the contract that's like it covers both parties um and so it makes sure that everyone's on the same page nice. in a nutshell a very lar- large nutshell yeah. <laughs> Anyway, so where were we? <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, change orders I, bl- are also I blacked out. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> addendums, change management systems, uh, change control boards. Oh, change anyway, management. quality and done being done with consulting. How do you know you're done with a client? Like, why don't you just over them? They just suck so bad. <laughs> I, I guess the, the follow up question <laughs> would be how do you decide when you've gotten into something that you can't solve their problem? Oh. You don't feel qualified for the well not even necessarily that but they don't want to change a lot of times like you just deal with someone that just does not want to make the necessary changes oh, like, so how do you get to that? like oh i'm sorry you're a business owner but you will not close payroll by end of day banking day on a thursday which means your people are never paid on time i have an easy solution for this close payroll on wednesday or thursday before 5 p.m and they just won't like how do you just like realize like okay we're like this isn't done as far as a done product but we're done done so i feel like some of that should be clear in your qualification process 
Um, cause I've, I've done, like, I always do consultations. I think we've talked about this before too, but like, I always do some sort of consultation before I make a proposal or anything like that. So we're having a conversation about what they're trying to accomplish, where they're at, where they're trying to get to. Cause some people just don't know yet. And those people, I just can't help. Like, I'm not, I, I don't have the skill set to help somebody who just like, doesn't know what they're really trying to accomplish, figure it out. If you're like, I want to um, start my, what was your, what was the table slapping company? Mm -hmm. Um, and I just, I'm just kind of lost about what to do. Like, I don't understand what my priorities are. Um, that's different. If someone's like, I, you know, like I want to start a table slapping company. And I also want to start a kids and cannons company. And I also want to invent the best bottle cap that there ever was. But like, I don't know anything about inventing yet. I'm like, no, like, no, no go no <laughs> red flag you you need there's other steps that have to happen first right yeah i'm like please no. no um so what was your original question how do you know that when was you're a, done with a client like you've engaged with them oh and you realize that they're just what they need to do is not what they're willing to do so that ties in ben thanks for asking to my general leadership philosophy which is clear expectations and consistent accountability so if you are meeting with this person regularly and they're like um my team hates working here and i want to create a more engaged employee environment i want to learn and grow as a leader i want to be able to show up for my employees in a different way and you're trying to help them do that and they won't do the changes that need to happen then in theory, you're kind of having that conversation as you go. And if it gets to the point where you're like, hey, you know what? Like, honestly, it doesn't feel like you're quite ready to make these changes. Um, so maybe we need to pause for a little while so you can X, Y, or Z. That's kind of like a best case scenario where you're like basically firing a client. But um, yeah, I think that's that's like a slightly different conversation than just like, we've completed a project. <laughs> would you consider that done for yourself as a consultant? So as you said, the the success metrics for consulting are difficult. You know, your effects can be nebulous on a company. If you end up with a client, you give them your recommendations. Is that done whether they adhere to them or not? Like to you, is that completed box checked? Or do you feel like you get more invested in their in their success as a business? Um, I think where I'm at now... I'm fairly good with like boundary management for the most part. So it's like, we're, we're doing a thing. I'm here to do these things to help you. And in most cases, cause like one of my things about like the, the way that I do consulting is that I want to teach a man to fish. I don't want to be the fisherman. Um, because I get bored really quickly when I'm the fisherman. I don't like getting sucked into like the day-to-day -day bullshit. It's fucking boring to me. That's why like in corporate life, I would end up doing like 27 projects because I was like, this is fucking boring. I figured this shit out. Um, and then I would be like, what can I do? Overwhelm myself? Absolutely. That sounds delightful. <laughs> um, hang out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, good. Can I take on more projects instead of getting rid of the ones that I actually don't want to do anymore? Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> Mr. Burns. For you. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. So I, for me, that's just kind of like, I get bored if I get sucked into the stuff too much. So, um, but it's also been a learning process. Cause like I, at some point at the beginning of my consulting, I was like, why do I fucking hate my job? Like, this is like, I invented a job that I supposedly would love to do. And I hate almost every minute of it. This is not what's supposed to happen. Cause I was getting like bogged down in the details instead of being out and like doing the strategy, the big picture stuff and keeping things moving. So uh, so I guess it's kind of a follow on to that question, which uh, you can probably talk to is uh, so every leader wants to have high performers. They want to foster a community with high performers who think on their sure. own, execute on their own, do great things, innovate, all that stuff. You want a team that does that. So I think the big like question is it's so easy, especially if I only have so many people. I have a team of seven that I'm doing, uh, you know, table slapping with they want to continually hop off of their day-to-day -to, -day to find better ways to slap tables. And they do have phenomenal ideas. They have great ways of executing it. They have doing that. But at the end of the day, I also just need to slap this many tables per day. Mm -hmm. So if I have a team of high performers who are all trying to find better ways to slap tables, 
like how do you almost how do you get high performers to stop at done like mm -hmm. i get it how do but we need to slap 2700 tables today if all of you are finding a better way for a low performer to slap more tables that doesn't help me if none of the six of you are slapping tables right now I hired you and I like you because you're a high performer. How do you get high performers to stop at done? How do you get them to like understand there is a mission statement of done and then let's go after quality? Uh, so I think that depends on what your definition of high performer is because you can have high performers who are just really fucking good at doing that job specifically. And then you can have people who are either high production performers or in that version of high performer is people who are looking for innovation and ways to do things better, which are two different skill sets. Because like the thing that people forget sometimes too is that in order to have high performers, you have to have average performers and low performers. And you cannot have a team full of high performers because it shifts the average and therefore everyone then becomes an average performer. So like you have to have the full spectrum. So if you have a whole team of people who is looking for better ways to do things, then they're either in the wrong job or you have put people in a situation where your job is awful and they're trying to fix it all the time. But like, <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. you know what I mean? Like, because <laughs> um, the likelihood of that actually happening is pretty slim because not everyone has the, like we have the process improvement brain is like, this is fucking stupid. We could do this about a thousand times faster. We could be way more productive, but on a team of seven people, unless somehow you're so bad at your job that you hired seven people who only want to process and prove <laughs> um, the, the likelihood of that or you hit the fucking jackpot but then those people are in the wrong seats for starters like that's like a whole nother uh a thing but like what does high performer mean and what things do you have to do because ultimately at the end of the day I hired you to do this job. You agreed to take this job for this amount of money and for this level of production. And if you don't want to do that, then this is no longer the job for you. Ideally, we have, and like we've talked about this before on previous episodes, if you work in a large business or a corporation of some kind, you have other places you can put them where you're like, hey, it seems like you're super passionate about process improvement. What about moving to that department? or like logistics or operational strategy or something like that. It seems like just production is going to make you crazy and by side benefit, make me crazy because you're <laughs> bored and and you actually hate the job that you're doing. But yeah, I don't know. Does that answer the question? Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, just in, but in like table slapper org, how do you handle that situation? Because table slapper right. only has seven employees that slap tables. I feel like we need a new business though. We can't okay. use table slapper all the time. We'll like, have to come up with like a list. Yeah, I feel like at some point golden podcast, widget widget silent. manufacturing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We'll yeah. just be like insert random. <laughs> just go um, for five so seconds until one of us is like truck holes, <laughs> and then we just <laughs> and then we're just on. That's the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I love it. Um. So in <laughs> table slapping industry, as, as rampant business as it is, then ultimately the conversation is you got hired to do this job, you need to shut the fuck up and do this job or find a different job. And that's fine too, because sometimes this isn't the right job for people, but you have to do your job and you trying to do 26 other things and create projects that don't exist and don't need to exist is detracting from the minimum productivity expectations that you need to meet in order to do the job and continue getting paid for this position. If it's someone like you said, that can do, that has the capabilities to be super productive and then take an extra hour a day to work on like, process improvement projects and stuff like that, and your business has the bandwidth to allow it, then by all means, because those people are going to be more engaged in the long run. But again, if you have seven people that are trying to do that on a team of seven people, you have a bigger problem. <laughs> so a little bit of a tangent, but... Ooh, that was a tangent, so... <laughs> what do we do here? Tangents. Uh, so thinking about done quality... And another thing that's like quality 2.0 or whatever. Coming from, from project management terminology, quality is the capacity to which you met the requirements of the project. If I was told to build a cube, 
I build a cube. I don't build a Ferrari. I build a cube. Even though it's the best car ever made, a cube is the measure of quality. Um, done is when you are done with that cube. You know, it's not being assembled. It's not being pooped out. It is, it is done. There's, there's a third thing that we, as humans, kind of intrinsically understand that we call quality, and I disagree with the PMI here, uh, quality is that thing. It is that attention to detail. It is the longevity of work, the not skipping corners, the, the quality of the product you create that is not necessarily the meets defined criteria which is equally important. I'm not saying it's not important. I'm saying that the vocabulary words need to be rethought. But in a bigger project, a lot of that quality might be a lot more nebulous. You know, we're talking about people who are moving box from point A to point B. They do the thing. They're high performers. Great. What about scope creep? You have someone who, who might be a manager under you. They're a sub-manager and you're like, your project is to implement the software solution. They come back to you a month, two months later, and they're like, we found a way to implement this feature and that feature and figure out this. And how do you rein that in and have a discussion on the Project Management Institute idea of quality or scope creep or exactly what your definition is of the project? I think it just kind of goes back to clear expectations with whatever that looks like. So if there was a contract involved in the original agreement for whatever the thing is, or if there are job expectations that were agreed to when you hired X person to do this job, because I've had that happen, um, particularly with like client reps, where it's very easy to start doing a little extra for your client. And then it becomes a problem when you're the only person that knows what all these special fucking processes are. And you go on vacation, you get sick unexpectedly, you get fired or whatever the thing is. And then you're putting your clients and the company in a position to basically have perpetual disappoints for something that shouldn't have been a disappointment in the first place. Because it's like we have these very clear expectations. This is either what your job description is, or this is the contract that we have that outlines what the things are. And if you continue to do this, you're making things a lot harder for everyone involved, which can be a hard thing to discuss with someone who has that like helper and I want to go and be uh, above and beyond mentality. Um, but, and I think that's just kind of figuring out because it's like, yeah, you want to do a little special touches here and there, right? Like if you're the kind of person that like wants to go above and beyond and you can support things, it's just understanding what the difference is between going above and beyond sometimes and then creating a special process basically, which is what I define scope creep as is when it becomes a permanent thing that like you can't, then the customer or the client expects this from you every single time in this very special way that we don't do for other clients because it's a fucking nightmare. <laughs> um, that's usually the where I've run into it before, like scope creep specifically. I run into it as, uh, I refer to it as the right thing in the wrong direction. <laughs> oh, yeah. And that's, and I feel yeah. like that's a, that the, for me, that's been a way to like contextualize it for my folks is pretty much just like you are doing the right thing like you are trying to go above and beyond you're trying to give the complete care package like you are swaddling that customer in care but the problem is if you do that that's everything has to happen at that is the new baseline like and so you're doing the right thing yeah. just in the wrong direction for what we're trying to do and i like and i feel like that's the like for me as far as giving feedback is uh is like that's been the way to like contextualize it for someone who is a high performer because you don't want to be like fuck off stop everything you're fucking doing right. you know everything that you thought made you good about this job fuck off about it i need you to do the bare minimum fuck you fuck right. you and they're like whoa 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 i was trying to be good at my job and you're like double bird fuck off like and you're like no 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 well no. But the, so you have to like, so for me, I mean, that's not how the normal conversation goes. Those are how my conversations go, but that's not how the normal conversation yeah, goes. Same. Uh, I was like, I don't understand the confusion. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but so that's, that's like a good way, I think, to contextualize the idea of like, you are doing the right thing, but what we, we need it to go this way and you're pulling it this way and now we have to overcorrect and we're going to upset at least one person depending on how many people you've interacted <clears throat> with we're going to upset one person when we pull them back to the other direction we're going but that's kind of yeah. yeah and that's my like that's my quality like i feel like quality in the right direction is always 
good, quality in a direction is not good. Yeah. Like we yeah, polished a I mean, few and they're like, we didn't care about the polish. But then at the next trade right. show, they're like, oh my God, this cube company polished my cube. And now you have to polish everybody's cube. Well, and I feel like that's actually, it's if you, if your people or you are polishing the cube and the expectation was to make sure all of the edges are super sharp and dangerous and you didn't do that, but you made the cube super mm -hmm. shiny, then it's like, okay. Okay, thanks but like can my cube kill people because like that's, that's what we actually method. paid you to do mm -hmm. yeah like no one cares because like i feel like it's hard too because i feel like quality and done are the same thing kind of like it's what is what's the done yeah like the um so i feel like done is a number of things that have to happen in whatever length of time and the quality piece is how well did they get done did they meet the minimum expectation of whatever the doneness thing was because like McDonald's, right? Um, their whole thing is they have a flabbity jillion franchises around the world and you know what to expect at every fucking McDonald's you go to. Like sometimes they forget to take the pickles off my double cheeseburger. You know what I mean? But like other than that, it tastes the same. The customer service is probably the same. The price is the same. It's the same experience every single time because that's their, there's like, done we we sold a flabbity jillion hamburgers and people knew what to expect and they got what they expected every time right their business is consistency not the traditional word for quality but to them that is quality right they are yeah. checking exactly the boxes they intend to check which is like the difference between like american mcdonald's and then like japanese mcdonald's where japanese mcdonald's done is does it look exactly like it was on the menu picture and that right. is what comes out to you mm -hmm. on a plate. But that's because that is the expectation at a Japanese McDonald's mm -hmm. versus the expectation at American McDonald's is like, it's got two buns, right? Be glad we didn't spit on it. <laughs> and that's, yeah. that's, and so and, like, and you know what? Ooh. Yeah. You're welcome for the extra pickles. Yeah. You're welcome. Yeah. And so Just like an like, American. Two buns didn't spit on it. Yeah. Great episode title. <laughs> and an American, American McDonald's doing things the same way a Japanese McDonald's did would be like, dude, we had three and a half minutes to get this out the door because that person was on their lunch break. Mm -hmm. You took seven minutes to make it look pretty. That person has a 30 minute lunch break. You wasted one third of their lunch break. Mm -hmm. and oh, so that I actually that's, that's that's kind of a good yeah because it's like what's the customer expectation versus what you think the customer expectation would be because i feel like that kind of goes back to the like having your top performers they're like but well, we want to make everything better and you're like but that's literally not what people are paying for they're paying for burgers and make their tummy feel better when they're hungover yeah. so like stop and they would like to get it in them as soon as possible so you yes. taking twice as long no longer meets the quality metric that we're going for exactly. we've deviated from what the expectation is it's going to taste the same anyway like mm -hmm. why are you trying it's to make it fucking meat. pretty like honestly i get a little excited when the cheese is off balance and i get to have like the last cheesy bite at the end you know like oh yeah, oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. That is or cheese that paper yep. cheese, <laughs> cheese paper, paper when there's like extra cheese on the paper <laughs> So yeah, I feel like that's one of those oh, yeah. things like going back to your murder cubes is like, if you're using right. the cube to murder somebody, then at the end of the day, like it's covered with blood. It doesn't matter how shiny the cube was. You wasted right. four hours of your day when you In could fact, be making shiny makes it less the next murder cube when you could yeah. have just been, they could have just gotten that unshined murder cube being that into someone's skull and they didn't recognize the shine because mm -hmm. they just grabbed it out of the bag of murder yeah. cubes and beamed it into somebody like and so like that's wasted time that you could have just been murder cubing all over the place new tangent i have a new adventure everyone get on the bus with me Ooh, uh, we are what's our what are we doing what's the we're embarking on an adventure Ooh. an alcohol fueled romp so yeah yes i have a new alcohol fueled romp okay uh still quality and done metrics but there's another company that we have we don't discuss much which is like the etsy shop the individual that oh. makes they're smaller but quality and done are super super important to your business uh if you were you know making stained glass if you're making leather goods if you're making other things on etsy you can have the best 
the most perfectly made item. It costs $600 because of the, the manufacturer. Nobody cares because you made a keychain mm -hmm. and nobody's buying a $600 keychain. That's not the quality that's expected in the like subconscious understood contract between me buying keychain on Etsy and the person manufacturing that keychain. And as a business owner, then you have to balance what the expectations are of people with no contract in place. You don't have mm -hmm. a discussion with them about what's done. What's done is the balance of cost and what people are willing to pay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which I think that kind of goes back to your, I think we we're talking, was this last episode where we we're talking about like cost stuff where like you can have, because there's like one of the other reasons why a lot of businesses fail is there's not actually a market for the thing that they're trying to sell. So if there are not enough people who want to purchase a luxury custom-made keychain for $600 that has the blood of their firstborn child in it, Etsy then it doesn't put, yeah, <laughs> Etsy murder keychains. Bespoke murder cubes. Etsy bespoke murder cubes. Then it doesn't matter because you can have whatever your idea is. And even if people are like, oh, that's a cool idea. But if they're like, I'm not going to pay $600 for that shit and no one will pay $600 for that, then you have a problem. Exactly. But um, yeah. You've met your own quality. Yeah, but that's also. You've met done. Yep. But like, fuck you. Well, I yeah, think that's I feel one like of the mean... times. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No. You're goddamn right. You're sorry. Um... <laughs> <laughs> How fucking dare you? Uh, no, I was just going to say like, the, as far as like Etsy shops and people who are making all of their products by hand, quality and done mean different things too, because it's like, you have to provide the consistency because people need to be like, oh, I've read all these reviews and they say these things about your product. So I, I'm expecting this product to look this way when it gets here. What are your own quality metrics? Mm -hmm. And how that changes over time and how cost might change over time. If you set up your business. Oh Yeah creating a really really good product going oh this will attract customers uh maybe i can find a way to make them this quality better later that's gonna be tough if i'm honest uh you want to start out from the get-go with an understanding of the quality that's expected overall not just in that moment not just for setting up your business if you set out on a project because that's what you're doing when you open an etsy shop and you spend 22 hours on the first murder cube that's, I don't know, maybe they're titanium and you have a smelter at home, but like that, you're going to have a bad time. You're going to have a bad time. Understand the quality of your end goal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like if you have a, uh, you make bespoke cheese shoes mm -hmm. out of cheeses that were curated from Northern Spain, there is only so much cheese in Northern Spain. And suddenly like everyone sees that Taylor Swift is wearing your bespoke cheese shoes <laughs> and then everybody wants them you have to realize like oh at some point something's gonna have to give either i can only sell five bespoke cheese shoes mm -hmm. which is fine if you can sell them for the price that people are willing to pay for them but your quality is bespoke northern spain cheese shoes or does your your quality change to bespoke cheese shoes and then people also, just give you the measurements of your feet. And now your quality is bespoke cheese shoes. And you're just like, you're going to freaking Walmart. You're getting like craft single slices and melting those suckers together and making some high heels out of them. If you ever waste cheese and make <laughs> shoes, I will be so fucking upset because cheese is cheese is cheese. You know what I mean? Like don't make shoes out I... of cheese swear i've seen a picture of crocs made out of swiss cheese oh that's that's so upsetting that's a thing swiss cheese i just I'm, what i'm upset mm. swiss cheese <laughs> is distraught yeah swiss cheese is made but that's the and i think that's the the idea of uh your idea of quality and done can change by market demand and things like that like you have to be able to adjust that mm -hmm. or in an etsy shop you'll die if you're hand punching chain mail bracelets and then people are like <laughs> we need uh we have a company retreat where we're going to medieval times as a company and then we 
I hope you're also a process engineer. And we're eating, we're actually eating the competitors to bond as a team. Therefore, we need 8,000 chainmail bracelets. As the Etsy puncher, you're like, and when do you need this? And they're like, oh, in like four weeks. And you're like, well, fuck me. Or you can like outsource and do all these other things to try and meet that demand. What? What is quality in an environment where you, again, like consulting, don't have a specific deliverable, but it might be individual customer care where you have very little power. Like you are a sales rep on a floor. Mm. Which again, I hate the word quality. I will say this. We should make another vocab word that is like perfectionism, quality. uh, Too much Too muchism. Yeah, because quality meeting milestones is not necessarily quality effort input. And so, so how do you measure that as like too muchism, too muchism <laughs> as like a floor rep in a big box store? Ugh. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, fucking that, disgusting. that is literally fucking impossible because I feel like there's so like, um, you have company values, you have like basic expectations of customer service. So there's like contact your customers within whatever time frame. make sure Ugh. you ask them. Next. <laughs> um (laughs) retail ptsd oh my god um (laughs) i'm shutting down um you know ask them whatever your fucking questions are make sure you offer them x y or z because that's the thing that we're going after right now it's like super subjective so um like oh god i used to fucking hate that shit um or like you know customers who are mad because you won't return their vcr real story happening right now you won't return their vcr that they bought four motherfucking years ago and it's your problem because you don't sell quality products and i'm like bitch toshiba won't back this shit up anymore okay like we didn't make it Toshiba was like, we're only going to guarantee this shit for 90 days, maybe probably a year. You know, it's like you bought this four fucking years ago. Like what, what is wrong with you? Have the day you deserve. Okay. That's the, (laughs) I digress. Um, so it's like, it's, it's, (laughs) it's hard to measure sometimes because I think whatever, what people expect when it comes to customer service varies so fucking much that that's like such a that's such a hard thing to measure it's like were you nice did you answer the questions that they asked did they see you talking to eight people um around the router aisle instead of talking to customers probably you know um but that's what secret shoppers are for so um that oh my god in a fucking like big box retail man or retail retail of any kind really because customers are just insane like I don't even know. Do I, I don't know if I have an answer for that. I fucking hate customers. That's why I don't work in reason. <laughs> so uh, there is like no done. It's just yeah. an abyss. You can't. I'm, it's fucking impossible because four years later they're gonna come back and want to return their fucking clearance VCR that they. Who has a VCR? No one. <laughs> yeah. Literally. Do you know we couldn't? Oh, we All couldn't right. find so, something because it doesn't exist anymore. Like we didn't have. Like we couldn't exchange it because no one has VCRs. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna pull a pen and I'm gonna toss a grenade out for the for the group. Cool. Oh no. And yeah, no. Uh, so it actually uh, your your uh, your comments definitely sparked an idea in my idea, which is um, done. There is a very clear expectation in done, especially in the retail environment. Did you sell something to a person? Then you're done. You're done. It didn't matter how you did it. You could just you could have just been like. <laughs> Dude, dude. <laughs> you said duty. <laughs> you fucking idiot. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man. Children. He's so stupid. Cheese paper. <laughs> okay. Paper. <laughs> <laughs> You sold some Swiss cheese crust. I think I also I think we need to label which episodes are the second episode when we record. Oh, yeah. So it's like <laughs> this one is the shit show episode. <laughs> no. The other one, was, yeah, yeah not better. explicit content. We tag it shit show. I really want them to <laughs> yeah. release like Monday, episode A following monday episode b <laughs> yeah and it just has an a or b on them and then people figure out over time what a and b mean yeah so anyway like, what is this code yeah here we go. okay Whew. i i want your guys' thoughts on this uh so there is a done you made the sale 
how much of there is a disconnect between what management and managers expect <laughs> combined with too muchism? Like, if your people can make the sale, how often as a manager have you been told like, oh, but why didn't they excel the extended warranty? Why didn't they sell this? Why didn't they do this? Why didn't they do this? And you're like, what is done? Was done the sale? In which case, they did their job is done they need to sell an extended warranty in which case you need to communicate that we don't make money off a sale because our assumption is if we right. sell something we made money and then but you're now telling me that my people aren't performing because they didn't get someone to sign up for a credit card or uh extended warranty or the subscription package or the ink that, delivery specialty system that gets into or like model. yeah and, yeah, and yeah. I think I feel like how much of it is there is too much ism communicated via management because management doesn't clearly communicate done. Ooh, that's a good one. Management often doesn't communicate done. Yeah. And I think like when you're talking about a situation where there's like a sales floor and you have multiple different managers running the floor at given times throughout the day, everybody has a different style or strategy and has their own different like approach to things because it's tough because like in an unnamed electronics establishment as time as time passed we made less and less money on the core product itself and sometimes made negative money on the core product itself but then there were like other agreements with the manufacturers or whatever where it's like if we sell x amount of their products as a company we get kickbacks or whatever like all kinds of shady shit that i don't really like above my pay grade right um, same thing with cell phones. That's a whole different thing. So <laughs> when it gets to that point where like the cost of the product has progressively decreased over time and the price has decreased and we're no longer really making money on the core product or as much, then you have to focus on selling accessories or the protection plans or financing or whatever, because financing leads to protection plans and accessories and all of that. Um, but it just kind of, it depends on the initiative. I feel like at least in the situation that I was in, like when we created like a monthly business plan, it was like, we have, we have to sell X amount of dollars this month. And in order to be profitable, 35% of that needs to be accessory attached percentage. So if you sell a core product, 35% needs to also be accessories in some way, shape or form, because that's the shit that does have the markup on it. Mm -hmm. You know, it only took um, like a seven year old child, like two hours to put that thing together and then sure. send it overseas so that you could sell it. So that's, that's pure <laughs> profit. Bingo. Um, <laughs> Yeah. And that's, I mean, I think that's true for lots of types of retail establishments too. Mm -hmm. Like accessories historically make more money because there's less going into the thing and you can sell it for like exponentially more where if you're selling a fur coat, we'll say, um, faux fur, faux fur, but, um, <laughs> the, it costs more to produce it and it costs more to make it available to sell as opposed to your keychain that's not $600. You know, if your keychain is only five or 10 bucks, it probably only costs you like 25 cents to actually make it. So it's a huge fucking markup, but it's still a reasonable amount of money that people will pay where more people are going to be like, do I really want a $600 faux fox jacket? I don't know. Am I that bougie? I might be. I don't know. Yeah. Does that make sense? Probably. Okay, so wrap up, recap, Ben Jammin, what right. are your, your key takeaways from this episode of Absolute Madness? So talking about quality and done, I think we need a different word for quality because quality means colloquially something different than what it means in a very strict business world, which is really criteria met or criteria needed to be met. So between criteria met and done, you need to be careful about how you define that as a business because it determines your cost, either cost of goods sold. It determines how much effort you need in terms of leadership of how you get your people to complete their tasks. Whatever your goal is, you need to set out with an understanding of what your criteria are and what done means to you so that you can clearly communicate that to others or you're going to have a bad time. Mm -hmm. Like if you want to, if they say make a pickup truck, you give them a Ranger or you give them a Raptor. The Ranger is exactly. done. The Raptor is quality. Yes. I mean, not even that. By by the PMI definition, quality is whichever one they asked for. If they asked for an off-road monster, the Ranger is not quality. The Raptor is quality. But, I mean, okay, fair. Colloquially, the Raptor is quality. It's like a $100,000 truck. 
but it's criteria met. They do two different things. And your business needs to know what it's doing with its murder cubes and its cheeses. <laughs> cheese shoes and murder cubes. And it's home smelting. It's great. Good. Home smelting cheeses. Okay. David, what did you get from this conversation? Uh, what I got from this conversation is that uh, quality and done are these made up things. And at the end of the day, you, as if you're trying to make money as a company, you need to figure out what will make the customer pay you because you can make the customer Fraud? happy. <laughs> yeah, you can make the customer happy, which could be a good business goal, but how many customers you get can adjust that. So at the end of the day, what makes the customer pay you and not make them mad about it? And that is done. Like your goal is done. Get money, don't make mad. Get money, get bitches. Yeah, get, get money, don't make mad. And then like anything, if you've got spare time, who will make happy? Who, who gives a crap? But like at the end of the day. Cheese? <laughs> Gouda? Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, I don't like smoked cheese, but Gouda what? is good. Yeah, I don't but, like so that's, cheese. So that's kind of like what I've learned is... Uh, Get money, but don't make mad and done. Like that's like, again, you need to focus. If you have limited resources, focus on get money, don't make mad. Heckin' big good. Yep. Heckin' big good. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine someone just walking out of an overly complicated workshop in a pair of Swiss cheese Crocs, looking right at the camera and going heckin' big good. <laughs> and then just flipping you off. <laughs> Um, I would consider that a great success, honestly. I wouldn't be mad about it. Heckin' big yeah, good, yeah. good feedback. So I would pay for 10 that. 10 out of 10, 10 out of 10 would do again. Uh, I feel like in, so speaking of quality versus done metrics, I feel like we did an exceptional job with this podcast episode. <laughs> um, premium content. I mean, I we had a good time. That's again, yeah, that's all that really matters. That's We're key. trying to meet own expectations we've exceeded our expectations we've for ourselves which is the big the big <laughs> yeah. thing is if your metrics are like do it then like we did it so everything is just up from there we also like did it more than we said we were gonna do because like these episodes right. have been much longer than anticipated um because we don't understand human biology everything, everything is terrible, is terrible. <laughs> <I> fucking nailed <laughs> it <laughs>